Amen. Let's open our Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 this morning. And uh, junior church workers, we will send somebody over, uh, like we've done the last couple weeks, to come back for the baptism. We have a young man being baptized today, and we want his classmates to support him in that. So we'll send somebody over there. And um, probably my wife. Would you do that for me? All right. If I don't point at somebody now, I will completely forget. And so if you'll let Cyrus know to go get ready, and then if you could... uh, Invite them back over for the baptism time. Mark chapter 2 this morning. Mark chapter 2. We're thankful to have some folks as our guests this morning here for the first time. And if you are here for the first time, if you have a smartphone, you can open up your bulletin and there's a code up there in the corner inside the flap uh, for our guests. And if you just scan that, it'll take you to a web page right on your phone and you can just fill in some information. We'd love to just have a record of your visit and we'll send you a Tim Hortons card uh, on your phone this week. If you have a dumb phone, And I have a smartphone, but it often acts dumb. And if you have a dumb phone or just a regular phone and you would prefer a hard copy out on our Welcome Center, we have welcome uh, visitor's cards. We'd be thrilled if you just fill one of those out, drop it in our offering boxes at either door, and we would be happy to mail you a Tim's card this week with a thank you letter for coming. We just want to have a record. We won't put you on a mailing list or bother you, but we just would like to, to send you a thank you card and a Tim Hortons gift certificate so you can have a coffee and a donut on us. If the prices keep going up, you might only get the coffee. But uh, for now, you get a coffee and a donut, all right? Mark chapter 2, I told you I've been studying through the book of Mark, and uh, as I study, I've been looking at Matthew and Luke, all the synoptic gospels, and trying to get the different perspectives of every story in the Bible. And as I do that, the Lord inevitably just keeps giving me uh, something that I see that I'd never seen before. And it's interesting to compare the three uh, stories. Brother Judge, could you have somebody turn these fans on up here? It is incredibly hot up here today. I don't know why. I'm going to melt right into a puddle on here. On the, uh, when we have the baptistry on, the humidity rises up here because of that. And it's just incredibly hot today. So we're going we're to look at Mark chapter 2. And if you will, direct your attention to verse 13. Verse 13. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. You'll remember that just last Sunday morning, we talked about the man that was sick of the palsy that was lowered through the roof, through the tiles, and the Lord Jesus Christ first forgave him of his sins, and then he healed his physical body. And the Bible says that we are following right after that miracle that took place, and so multitudes followed the Lord Jesus Christ as a result. You can imagine if somebody who had been crippled for all these years of this palsy, this disease, now was walking around the areas of Galilee, that's going to attract a crowd. Especially if they said, how did this happen? He said, well, a man named Jesus. A man named, you know, sometimes just to be a testimony, all we have to do is tell what Jesus did for us. Share how his grace came into our life and changed us. Real quiet in here. Is everybody with me this morning? I think we're tired this morning. I noticed in the singing we were a little tired this morning. If you're you're with me this morning, say amen. 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 I don't want to repeat things over and over, so we want to get through this. And uh, so let's go ahead and just be responsive this morning. Mark chapter 2. And so that's that's the scene. And he went forth again by the seaside. Verse 13, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, follow me. We take our title for this morning from those two words, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners 
sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for the word of God, and we thank you that it reveals to us your plan, how you would send your son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, for it's in that precious name alone we can be saved. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we look at the Jesus Christ once again this morning as we learn more about our Savior and as we grow in our faith, we pray, Lord, that the Word of God would be committed to our hearts by your Holy Spirit today. Teach us, we pray. Lord, I need your help, and I pray that you'd fill me. I surrender to you and ask for your help. And may the same Spirit of God that would fill me fill each one of us today and help us to be guided into all truth. Lord, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the story as it goes, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ was ministering and teaching. And if we were honest about our Bibles, we would read a lot about the miracles. The miracles are often expounded upon. But if we were to look closely in the Bible, we would find that Jesus spent most of his time teaching. Matter of fact, the Bible says he was around the seaside of Galilee here and he was teaching the people. I believe the Lord spent many more hours teaching than he did in the miracles that he performed. And the miracles were a means to an end to have people come and hear his message first, but also that they would believe that he was the Messiah. He was Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, that could, that, that could deliver on what he was teaching and what he was talking about his father. He wanted every man to come. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so he wanted everybody to come to the saving knowledge through him. And that's why Jesus came. He was not willing that any should perish. And so as the Lord taught, he came across a man by the name of Levi. The Bible says, and in other parts of the Bible, also calls him Matthew. And Levi was sitting, the Bible says, at the receipt of custom or taxes. How many of you like doing taxes? How many of you like paying taxes? Not, not a hand went up. I don't mind doing my taxes because I usually get a refund. You know, but I, I've noticed over the years, I, when, when Brendan turned 18, and then, then Emily, and then Austin, and now Beth, we're, our refund has diminished. Uh, all of our tax deductions have moved out. You understand what I'm saying? And so I, I don't mind doing my taxes, but I don't like paying taxes. And I think we all understand that, and uh, nobody does. And so Levi was not one of the favorite people of the Bible. If we were to say, who are your favorite people in this, this little village where Matthew is sitting, probably Matthew's name wouldn't come up. The fellow that is the tax collector sitting at receipt of customs, that's not the fellow that we would want to talk about a whole lot. But the Bible says that Jesus saw him there, and he looked at him and simply said, follow me. That's all he said. Follow me. You know, when I think about the call of God... I sometimes think about it a bit differently than perhaps others. And, you, you know, I, I sometimes will hear a young missionary come and say, well, I believe I'm called. I'm called to a certain country or I'm called to a certain people or a, a certain people group. And, and I wonder in my heart, are they really called? 
or do they just have a burden? It's not wrong to have a burden for something. I think it's good. As a matter of fact, if Brother Patterson said to me today, Pastor, I, I just think I'm going to go down to this. I'm just going to throw a dart at a map, and, I, and it hits Columbia, South America, and I'm going to learn the language, and I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to preach the gospel to the people there. I, I don't think God would have a problem with that. And here's why. Because he said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And, and we are to preach the gospel to everybody. And somebody has said this, you can't preach the gospel to the wrong person. It's just that simple. I believe that in the Bible we see the specific call of God, but I believe we also see a general call, and that's a call for everyone to serve. And so sometimes we see somebody says, well, I have a, a call, and I wonder, is it just a burden? There's not, nothing wrong with having a burden. There's nothing wrong with following that burden and serving God and preaching the gospel based upon that burden. There's nothing wrong with that. But then there's sometimes where you see somebody and you know beyond the shadow of doubt God has chosen them for that exact purpose and put them in that exact place. I've seen a lot of pictures this week from the Philippines of the spiritual leadership conference that took place that Rob and Judy just came back from and our son just returned from. And there was a missionary that stood out to me by the name of Rick Martin. Rick Martin has been, is it Rick Martin? I, I, I say Rick Martin and I doubt it because we have Rick Martin right here. But Rick Martin has uh, been in the Philippines, I believe, for 47 years. 47 years, that's somebody who's called. Amen? They have given their life. They, they have not gone for just a couple years and said, well, I'm not sure about this anymore. I'm going to change fields. I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, that might have been a burden. But a call is something we give our lives to. I believe the Apostle Paul was called as a missionary to the Gentiles. I believe the apostles were called by God. Others, I believe, we just have a burden to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you say you're just splitting hairs. There's a reason I'm splitting hairs this morning. And I want to show you what the scripture says because in this passage, we see both. We see the call to full-time ministry, but when then we see the simple call to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look at the word of God this morning. And I want you to notice, first of all, simply what Austin's already put on the screen, the call. The call. Notice what it says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 14. Notice there. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. The call. I want you to notice, first of all, we see a specific call. A specific call. He said to Levi or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs, follow me. We know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this was a specific call. Matthew was called to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and later an apostle of the faith. We understand that Matthew was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to write the first of the four Gospels, the book of Matthew. As a matter of fact, I find it interesting. You see, why is he called Matthew some places and Levi in other places? Levi was his Hebrew name. The Jewish people were a Hebrew people. And Levi, recorded by Mark and by Luke, they record his Hebrew name. But Matthew, when referring to himself in Matthew chapter 9 about this very, very same story, he calls himself Matthew. That was his Greek name. That was his working name as he was employed by the Roman government. And so the Romans would call him Matthew, but the Hebrews would call him Levi. They said, why would Matthew choose 
to be called Matthew. Because I believe that Matthew knew that he was a sinner. That he was not worthy to be called a part of God's covenant or chosen people. And so he referred to himself as Matthew. He said, I'm always going to be known as the publican. I'm always going to be known as the tax collector. In other words, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I am Matthew. From this point on, we see in the scriptures that after Levi begins to follow Jesus, he is called Matthew every other time in the scriptures, except when he's first addressed as Levi. They never again, it's almost like Matthew said, no, 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 I'm not worthy to be called Levi. You call me Matthew. I want to always be reminded that I was once a sinner until Jesus Christ met me and I was saved. I want to remember where I came from, that I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And so even Jesus and the disciples and even in the book of Acts, they call him Matthew. And the gospel that bears his name is Matthew, not Levi. I want you to notice as we think about this call, it's a specific call. And Matthew was called specifically to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, the Lord met him on that day and he looked him in the eye and he says, Matthew, follow me. That specific call also leads to a sacrificial call. The Bible says this in the book of Luke. And as Luke records this story, he says, he left all, rose up and followed him. He left all. It wasn't just a matter of giving his life and praying some sinner's prayer at an altar and being baptized and added to a church and saying, okay, now I'm saved and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to read my Bible. The Bible says he left all. And so that's why I'm separating this as a specific call. There are some in this world that are willing to give their all for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to go out and serve him. And we, we appreciate those people that represent us on the mission field and those that go and give their lives in the service of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There are some in this very congregation that have made it their life's purpose to say, I will give whatever it takes to be pleasing to my master. So a specific call leads to a sacrificial call. The gospel account records that Matthew never ever returned to the position of a publican. He never went back to being a tax collector. He left all. You see, a publican, the reason they were called publicans is because they dealt with the public's money. And a tax collector was hired by Rome at the highest bid. He said, what does that mean? Matthew would go to the people of Rome and he would say to the government, I believe that I could give you $1,000 a week. I can raise $1,000. And then it was Matthew's job to go house to house and collect taxes. And if you raised $2,000 a week, he got to keep the other $1,000. If you raised $5,000, he got to raise. And so think about this. The higher the bid, the more that Rome liked it, for one, because they received more tax money. But the more ruthless the tax collector had to be. There wasn't one that was known, or should, let me rephrase that, there was only one that was ever known to be an honest tax collector. And it was such a rare thing that they, they made monuments to him in Rome because he was an honest tax collector. Can you imagine? So this man, Levi, was not one of those. There are no monuments in Rome that are saying he's an honest tax collector. And so he was a man that was a sinner. And think about this. There, there is historical proof that, that tax collectors often would go to the fishermen and they would actually take fish as taxes and then sell them in the marketplace themselves to raise the money they needed. Imagine when he met Peter and John. Perhaps he had taken from them. There'd be some awkward introductions and others perhaps would not like Matthew all that much. 
among the disciples. But the Bible says he was willing to leave all of that, his riches, the things that he had gained and garnered. It was a lucrative position, but he was willing to sacrifice to follow Jesus. But in this same scripture, don't we not only see a, a specific call that leads to a sacrificial call, we see a sweeping call, all-inclusive call. And I want you to notice this with me this morning. Look at verse 15. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. The Bible does not say that they all left all and arose and followed Jesus like Matthew did, but they followed him nonetheless. They didn't all travel around the countryside from Galilee to Jerusalem and different places in between to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't go through Samaria with Jesus to the woman at the well. They did not see the miracles of Christ, and yet they decided they would follow him. We need that as well, don't we? We need those that will stand and preach the gospel and those that will go to the far reaches of this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we also need people in our community that say, I'm just going to stand and follow Jesus. I find it interesting that the Pharisees, as they were peeking through the window and, and nosing about uh, other people's business once again, that they noticed that all these tax collectors and all these publicans and all these sinners were gathered together and yet they followed Jesus. Let me ask you, can that be said of you? Somebody might look at you and say, well, you're a sinner. Yes, but they follow Jesus. I was once, and by the way, so were some of you, the Bible says. We were all just sinners, saved by the glorious grace of God. And here's a room full of them testifying, we will follow Christ. And so we see the call. It's not just a specific call, friend, it's a sweeping call. Every one of us are to follow Jesus. I want you to notice something else. Notice, secondly, this morning, the concern. The concern. This is something I had never noticed before. Verse 15 says, And it came to pass that, at Jesus, that as Jesus sat at meat in, what's that next word? His house. Now, his could mean Jesus. But Jesus, the Son of Man, had no place to lay his head. So it wasn't his house. So his has to be referring to Matthew. Right? In his house, Matthew's house. It was his hometown. It's where Matthew lived. So they were gathering in his house. And I like the modesty of Matthew in the book of Matthew. If we were to read it in the book of Matthew, it just says they were gathered in a house. Matthew doesn't want to make a big deal about it. He doesn't want to say, well, I, I threw this feast and I had this dinner and I had Jesus in my home. He never bragged about his ministry. But the book of Mark says it was in his house, but I like especially how the book of Luke says it. And Levi, listen to this, and Levi made him a great feast in his own house. He made a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But look at verse 15, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, Matthew's house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. I have to believe that perhaps Matthew or Levi, however you want to call him, had already heard about Jesus. He'd heard of the miracles. Perhaps he'd even witnessed some things. He'd heard about his teaching. He perhaps even began to have a journey of faith in his heart. 
Perhaps he had already decided in his heart that if he could just meet Jesus, he would follow him. I don't know for sure. The scripture doesn't tell us. But this is what I know. The moment Jesus locked eyes with him and said, follow me, he left all, he arose, and he followed him. His heart was ready. He'd already decided at some point that I'm going to follow Jesus. If Jesus would look down upon me in mercy, if he would see fit to call me, I am willing to go. And the Lord looked at him and said, follow me, Matthew. And he followed him. But here's what's important. I want you to notice his concern. What did he do next? The book of Luke says he did this. And in his own house, he prepared a great feast. And who did he invite? Publicans and sinners. Because before he left on this great journey to travel with Jesus for the next three years, he wanted to see his friends saved. He wanted to introduce them to Jesus. Now think about these people that he invited. First of all, we see the unloved. The unloved. That's, that's just a kind way of saying the hated people the tax collectors. How many of you got a little heartburn when I said the tax man earlier? How many, how many of you got excited when I said the tax man, it's tax season? How many got excited? It just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. Revenue Canada! Well, nobody ran for the door, praise the Lord. We, we don't like thinking about that kind of stuff. Taxes and all oh, the tax, man, we don't like that. I, I mean, especially in the States, you say the IRS, and you, you better duck. Man, they don't like that stuff. Taxes. They were the unloved of society. They were considered outcasts, sellouts. They were selling out their people to get rich themselves. You remember another publican in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, when he got saved, he went back and paid back those that he had wronged. Salvation had come to his house and changed his heart. And he realized that he needed to pay restitution. They were thieves. They were crooks. And because of it, they were hated. But that's who Matthew wanted to reach. You say, why? Because he knew in his heart that maybe nobody else would. I wonder how many people had come back from a miracle of Christ how many that were once blind that could now see and how many that were once lame but could now walk and how many were once deaf that can now hear and others who had heard his preaching and had, had, had their lives changed because of the ministry of Jesus Christ walked back past that place of where Matthew was gathering customs and they were telling everybody about Jesus but they ignored Matthew. And I wonder if in his heart he said, before I go, Jesus, i gotta tell all the, I got to tell all the tax collectors because nobody else will. The unloved. Let me ask you something. How many of you right now are thinking about the unloved of society? I just noticed by the stillness in the room and how quiet it is that I think our hearts are saying, I, I know people like that. But nobody cares to tell them about the gospel. Nobody has the time. They have a temper issue. They have a drug problem. They're caught up in immorality and sin. 
And we, we, we take the time to look down upon them. But do we care enough to share the gospel? Matthew said, Jesus, before we go, I'm going to make a great dinner. I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to provide it. I want everybody to come to my house. And Jesus said, who's going to be there, Matthew? All the text collectors from this region. That's who I'm inviting. The unloved. The one nobody cares about. Notice who else he invited. He invited the unloved, but the Bible says he invited the unsaved. It says in his house, verse 15, many publicans and sinners. Do you know what sinners are? <laughs> Every last one of us. But here's what a sinner was in the New Testament. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm not making light of that for one moment. But when somebody in the Bible was called a sinner, it was because their life was marked by sin and they were considered an outcast. Think about it. Mary Magdalene was called a sinner. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and a thief, and the Bible calls him a sinner. Jesus was called a sinner by the Pharisees because they believed he spoke blasphemy against God. Those are the three times in the Bible we see somebody labeled as a sinner. But there were others because Matthew had a house full of them. They were the ones that were written off. Their sin was so great that they were labeled. You remember the Old Testament, Rahab? Do you know what she's called in the New Testament? Rahab the harlot. Though her sins had been forgiven, that title followed her because the people of that day, that's how they labeled people. Aren't you glad that we don't have a scarlet letter today? Aren't you glad that we can be forgiven by Jesus Christ and washed in the blood of the Lamb and, and that though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow and no man in this room or out in this society has a right to judge us because our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ? And Matthew says, I want that to go to all my friends. I want all the publicans and I want all the sinners I know. And Matthew would know them because he sat and he had a list of everybody in town as he went through and collected taxes from each and every person. He'd be in their homes sometimes. He'd be at their door. He'd see them in the streets each and every day. And with his own eyes, he could see that they were lost. Matthew's list of invitation was not the rich and the powerful and the righteous and the, the religious groups of that day. It was the down and the out and the outcast. I have to believe that Jesus sat in the corner of that room and just smiled. And lit up as he saw person after person come through that door. And in his heart he said, Matthew, you love the people that I love. These are the ones I came to, to die for. Would to God that he'd break my heart the same way. I was broken hearted to hear of a church that said, we don't send buses into that neighborhood because those kids are too bad and they'll tear down the church. Christ died for them too. They need Jesus just as much as anybody else. I've heard the town of Delhi referred to as Del Hole. 
in reference to the kids that come from there. Thank God for the two busloads of kids that come every week. Would God break our hearts for the outcasts of society, for those that desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ? Trying to decide whether I should finish this message or just have an invitation. Let me give you the last things quickly. Notice the criticism. How many of you knew that he was going to get criticized? Sure he was. Verse 16, the Bible says, And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? The scribes and the Pharisees they must have just wandered the streets trying to make everyone else's business their business. Because every time something good is happening, they show up and they criticize it. They were the self-appointed moral compasses of society. Simply put, they were the busybodies of the first century. They were the ones that tried to impose their personal preferences on everybody else. That's what the Pharisees did. They did not like the idea that Jesus sat with publicans and sinners, ones that had been marked. But Jesus said, these are the ones I'm dining with. And Matthew didn't, or the Pharisees didn't like it. That's the criticism. But look at the conclusion, and here's what I want you to see. The Lord always had a way of bringing into perspective his ministry and his purpose. Look at verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want you to notice how this text began with a call and it ends with a call. A call to contrition. In Mark chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. Listen to this. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, what is contrition? Contrition is a deep awareness of our own sin that drives us to repent. It drives us to change. It brings us to the Savior. Some might call it guilt and others might call it shame, but guilt and shame is removed when our sin is under the blood of Christ. And when we are deeply aware that we are sinners, we come to the Savior. And the Bible says that these men were sinners and the Bible knew or or claimed or called them sinners. And Jesus said, that's who I've come to save. That's who I've come to call to repentance. Friends, you cannot be saved if you do not realize you're a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So it was a call to contrition, but it was a call to compassion. A call to compassion. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, I'm just going to read it to you. Here's, here's what Matthew records about this. But go ye and learn what that what meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Matthew adds one phrase to this account that Mark and Luke do not. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. He says, go and learn what that means. That's what Jesus said. Go and learn what this means. It's interesting that Matthew is the one that recorded that. He's the one that remembered it the best. And here's why. 
Jesus is, it's a play on words from the book of Hosea. In Hosea, the people remembered sacrifice, but they didn't remember mercy. They had been faithful in going to the temple and offering their sacrifice at each and every feast. And even in between, they would go and offer, and they were very prideful about their sacrifice, how they always gave sacrifice. But sacrifice is a picture of the mercy that God would show us. That our sins could be placed upon another and that, that, that animal in those days could pay for their sins and cover them, not cleanse them, but cover them as a picture of the coming Messiah who would wash us white as snow. But they in turn would not show mercy to others. Jesus is making a play on words here. He says, I've come to show mercy and not sacrifice. One day he would sacrifice. He'd give his life for the ransom of many. But right now he's saying, I've just come to show mercy to these people. And it's Matthew that remembered it. It's Matthew that recorded it. It's Matthew that chose to be called Matthew, the Roman employee for the rest of his life, just so he could say, I was once a sinner, but I came to Jesus and he showed mercy upon me. And so it was Matthew in turn that opened up his home and had mercy on others. You know, the next time we struggle with showing mercy, can I encourage you to remember the mercy that Jesus showed you? The compassion that he shone upon your life? The next time we wonder, is it worth it? dealing with the drunkard, the down and out, the drug addict. We seemingly make no progress and you want to bang your head off a wall and say, I'm just, I'm trying to help, but I'm just going to give up. Thank God he never gave up on you. Matthew understood that mercy. He says, Jesus showed me mercy and I'm going to show others mercy and I'm going to invite all my tax collector friends and I'm going to bring in all these sinners that nobody wants. And they're going to meet Jesus. And they learned about the compassion of Christ. Would to God that he break our hearts in the same way that he broke Matthew's. I read that passage before and it never occurred to me what Matthew was doing. It just seemed like before he was going on this journey with Jesus, he was going to have a dinner and say goodbye to his friends. But when I saw the audience, the publicans and the sinners that filled his house that night. And I realized that's who God wants us to show mercy to. The ones that nobody else cares about. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody would stand and give a testimony and say, nobody loved me until I came to Bethel Baptist Church and I met Jesus Christ. They told me about a Savior who died for me. Maybe that is your testimony. May we be a place that loves people and goes to great lengths and sacrifice to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ because he loves them very much and died for them. Let's bow this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And Pastor Paul is going to come and lead an invitation. We're going to have a baptism in just a few moments. And let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The piano is going to begin to play and
If God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open. Let me encourage you. Would you pray? You know somebody. You know somebody that's struggling. Somebody that's down and out. Their only hope is Jesus. Would you pray for them right now? For such were some of you. We were all like that. And maybe our financial situation and our social status covered it up a little bit to those around us. But nonetheless, our souls were condemned without Jesus Christ. And until we came to him, we were just dead. But you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins.